in today's show. We're, we're here. We're live. We're on YouTube. We've got a live mailbag with Adam King. Guys, get your questions coming. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Thank you for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and it's time for me to welcome back First time in 2023 for a mailbag. First time in a few weeks that he's been on the show. Adam King is back. Kingy, welcome back. Morning, Joshua. How are you? I am good. It is early. It's 7 a.m. here because Kingy's just got so much stuff he's got to do today. So we had to go a little bit a little bit earlier um, here to answer your questions live on YouTube. Let's cover something off quickly. There was a trade. No one cares. Noah Vonley was traded from the Celtics to the Spurs. Um, Gorgie Jeng was waived. And then Noah Vonley was waived. So that means nothing. And again, it's your uh, usual reminder, Kingy, that... That December 15th fake beginning of trade season never results in a trade. Nothing happens. So don't ever get excited waiting for that date. No, that's right. No, um, And yeah, pretty boring trade to, to kick things off. Let's hope that they get better than that. Yeah, but yeah, this this is what happens. Like people yeah. people don't under understand. They just, because the media goes, oh, it's December 15th. They won't get traded. Man, I'm just going to hold this player till December 15th. Then something will happen. It just doesn't happen. Just does not happen. All right, let's start with questions. First one is from friend of the show, Zach Hanshu. He says, is it time to sell high on Christian Wood? He says he's got top five per game value since joining the Mavs starting lineup. Well, I think that's if you include turnovers. But anyway, he's about 10th if you don't because, you know, turnovers are bullshit. Or do you let the good times roll? Keep the good, keep up the good work, fellas. Kingy, what are you doing with Woody? Uh, well, I'm not doing anything because we discussed I don't have him. But if you do have him, look, I mean, this is a high point. He, and... If you can sell high, I would, but I'm not sure anyone buys. I mean, I think that probably the biggest thing here is that the, as projected, you projected it, I think most of us did, the, the Mavs figured out that he needs to start um, after that stupid JaVale McGee stuff to start things. So, um, yeah, top top five, top ten over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's, yeah, I don't think it's going to stick, but I think he's probably going to be top 50, top 60 rest of the way. Yeah, I'd say top 50 would be my expectation. But I think there's a little bit of fool's gold here in what um, Wood is doing because it's not starting equals more minutes equals more production. That's not what's happening here. Um, what what has happened? Well, over, over the last three games, he's only averaging 26 minutes a night for a start. He's averaging 32 minutes as a starter, 26 as a reserve. That's, that, that's, that is an increase. But he's shooting 77% from the line instead of 69%. It's got nothing to do with starting. It's, just, it's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. And... The block rate has gone from, and we won't even use, because it is more minutes, we'll use per 36 block rate from 0.8 to 2.9. Like, he's almost quadrupled his block rate. And over the last six games, he's averaging 3.2 blocks per game. Now, I, in this year, 2023, refuse to sit here and acknowledge that Christian Wood's the best shot blocker in the NBA. It just, it's, I, I know it's been happening, but there's no, there's no way, King. How, how does he keep up being the best shot blocker in the, in the league? It's just not going to happen. 
No, it's not. I'm just looking at his numbers here. Yeah, he's had, um, oh, what, like 10, 11 multiple block games um, out of his, 10 out of his last 11, something like that. He's also hit, he's also hitting 45% from three over the last six games and 69% from two for a true shooting of 70%. Everything is absolutely through the roof, but usage is down. And that's probably the thing where I look at and go, oh, okay, if usage actually stays lower and he doesn't hit 33 minutes a night, which he hasn't really as a starter, um, there are a few things here which... Again, if you can sell high, it's great. But you know, I, I think I wouldn't sell high unless I'm getting top thirty because there is maybe he just is a good shot blocker now and he's more engaged and the shooting can sit. That's possible, but you know, it depends what someone wants to believe in because they can look and go, well, since he's a starter, this is what he's doing. Therefore, this is what he'll continue to do. And I don't really think it's quite as uh, quite as simple as that. No, and I think for him it's always been a bit of an issue, like a mental issue. Obviously, he's yep. been a bit of a bit of a recluse, and, and now that he's on a team that actually wants to win, and, and he's he seems to be towing the line a bit more. So, um, a lot of positives, but but yeah, as you said, selling high if possible, but if not, just just hold on and and continue to enjoy it. Here's a question: Leland Thompson says he saw some stat today about PJ Washington getting more favorable matchups with Kelly out. He's averaging double digits in his last eight. Sell high on PJ Washington. Um, I don't know about this more favorable matchups with Cali out because um, how does that work? Like a player who takes the ball away more leads to him getting, I don't know, easier matchups. But regardless, he hasn't, Ubre hasn't been out for the last eight. So PJ is just playing better. He was shooting horribly, as I detailed on one of the buy low, sell high shows a few weeks ago, like 18% from three over yeah, a three-week period or something. And that was bound to come up. And it's come up to average and then gone significantly above average. So he's playing better, but... I don't really think the Ubre thing is impacting him significantly, Kingy. No, I don't think so. And I think, I mean, when you talk about selling high with someone like, like PJ, I think he's just doing now what we thought he probably yeah, would. Um, I don't think this is something that's going to go away. It's, it's you drafted him because I've got him in multiple leagues, um, unlike Christian Woods. And, and I'm just happy he's doing what he what I thought he would do. I'm glad I didn't drop him. He was pretty close to a drop, though. I, I, I would have dropped him. Because, but this is what's happened, right? Since I said, all right, we can get rid of him, the last seven games, he's shooting 44% from three and 61% from two. And for reference, he's at 49% from two for the season. And historically, when he's played majority of his minutes at the four, which is doing this season, he's been a bad two-point shooter. Last season, where he played a, like most of his minutes as a backup five, um, he shot 60% from two. So, yeah, that... That number there across those last seven games or whatever feels a little bit fluky in terms of that high percentage. And he's hitting his threes. He's coordinating those two things together, and that's boosting everything up. He's also blocking 1.7 shots per game over the last seven, which has really elevated him. I think he's a fluky player. He does go back and forward with the shooting numbers. So sell high is always an option for anyone who's overperforming, but you know, whether you can execute it or not, who knows? So that that's it's always going to be like, you don't have to get rid of the guy. But if you get an unbelievable offer, then you do get rid of him. Yeah, I think if you could get a top 60 guy, I'd do it. Um, I think he can be top 100 the rest of the way. And I, I planned on him being sort of a two, three-pointers, one steal, one block kind of guy. And that's basically what he's doing now. Yeah, I think that's sort of where I had him as well, around that 90, 85 to 90 mark. And then he disappointed, obviously, um, for the majority of the season up until now. All right, let's um, let's stay with Charlotte. Aaron asks, what field goal percentage should we expect from Terry Rogier rest of season? Because obviously, it's been a disaster all year. Uh, it has, yeah. Another guy that I've got in um, quite a few leagues. I Well, I hope that he can get back to what he was, but I, I don't see that happening. I was hoping that LaMelo Ball coming back would 
would sort of increase his field goals a bit, getting open looks, uh, not having to to score sort of off the dribble as much. Um, we haven't seen it so far. I, I think he's probably probably going to be sort of like a forty one percent guy. Yeah, like I've that. got him exactly at 41. I wouldn't be surprised if he's 42, 43, but you know, what did he... He was 44, 45 the last two seasons. I'd be pretty surprised if he gets back to that number. One of the more interesting things is where, where the steals have gone. I don't know what that is. And I think the thing yeah. you brought up about Lamelo Ball is we all um, instinctively think this with so many mm. players. Like, Go to a situation with better players. Go to a situation where someone takes the pressure off and the shooting numbers rise. And they just literally don't. It just doesn't happen. Like it's just something that we predict so often, and we we assume. Like even like oh, DeAndre Ayton. Imagine how many easy looks he's going to let get from Chris Paul now. This is going to be like easy feasting, seventy five. Like it just doesn't happen. Everything stays about the same. And in fact, his usage goes down. And you know, Kemba Walker going from Charlotte to Boston. Well, he's going to be just this great shooter now. He doesn't have to carry the load, and he just was exactly the same. And this is, you know, the ball might have an impact, but my and this is anecdotal because I haven't studied this stuff. But just from accumulating info over years and years, is that we assume this stuff happens and it doesn't. We just go, well, better teammates will lead to better percentages, and often it just doesn't. It just isn't that sort of impact that we would have hoped for, and it's not something we can really take into consideration as much as we um would like. We'll get back to questions in just a sec. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with with, uh, targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonnba. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonnba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We'll go back to some questions now. Kingy, um, okay. Let's okay. This is an interesting question, and I just lost it completely. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, all right, I I know the answer to this one. I think Andre says, "Will Jalen Suggs be top one hundred rest of season with that crowded backcourt?" Uh I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I, I don't see how it's. I, I like Suggs as a player. I think they should invest as full, in Fulton Suggs as their starting backcourt. But for Suggs to be top 100, he needs to dramatically improve percentages. And I just think that he's just not going to get, especially with this ankle problem, I just don't think he's going to get enough playing time or enough of the ball to be anywhere near that. Okay, let's rephrase the question then, Kingy. Would you add Jalen Suggs in a 12-team league with his return apparently impending? Oh, so my friend and I actually had this discussion driving to the movies last night um, (laughs) because he has Suggs in his IR spot. But we're in a 14-team league. Um, And we were talking about what what does the Magic's starting lineup look like when they're fully healthy, and I'm not including Jonathan Isaac because I just I don't he, know if he he's, plays. But, well, he's not going to start it. He's not going to start. If he won't healthy. start. No. But but we went with well, I I thought Suggs, Fultz, um, uh, Wagner, Bankero, Carter. That yep. was the starting five. I think they should go with um, Suggs. Should probably be getting 30, 32 minutes. Uh, I'm he just in, in a twelve team league. I just don't think uh look i mean if you want to grab him if you just need some points if you don't care about percentages um he can be handy in steals 
Um, if you've got multiple IR spots, throw him in there, give him a couple of games, see what happens. But I don't think he's a guy you need to be prioritizing. Agree with that 100%. Um, all right. Angela Bryant says, is Gordon playing tonight? That's Eric Gordon. He's listed as healthy. Yeah, apparently he is. Apparently they're deciding to play him on a back-to-back on a night that Jason Tate returns. So the Rockets rotation is going to be really interesting. Who is your guess, Kingy, that is going to be out of the rotation for Houston? Because I don't think they're going to play all the guys they've been playing. Who's going to miss out? Oh, God. Um, could it be Tari Eason? Could oh, be. I, oh. <laughs> I, I think oh, it's, I think it's going to be Ty Ty Washington, and they're going to play Eric Gordon and Jay Sean Tate as their backup point guard. Is my guess. Oh, the Rockets do my head. You know, I think mm-hmm. we could do a whole pod on how bad their coaching is. Um, yeah, look, I, I, it could be. Who, who knows? I mean, I, I have no idea why they're even playing Eric Gordon. But it's not like he's been good. Like he hasn't played no. well at all. So I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like you can make no. the argument. We'll go to Charlotte. Someone asked this question before. I, I, Mason Plumlee's been playing well. He's been doing not too bad, right? It makes no sense for their team. They're still not winning games. It's impeding development of chemistry with Ball and, and Richards or Ball and Williams and all those sort of guys. But Plumlee's been doing okay. Gordon has not. Like He has not been playing well at all. He's pissing and moaning continually. I don't think he's providing veteran leadership in the locker room. I, I don't understand it whatsoever. I don't understand so much about that team. And that's why they deserve to lose and not get a high pick in the lottery because bad process pisses me off. CJ Landgren. Do you enjoy and roll with Thomas Bryant or do you try and sell for something? There's always one simple answer to this, King. I'll see if you have the same answer as me. Uh, I don't, well, I don't think you could sell him anyway, but um, I'd, I'd probably just, I'd just hold on to him and see what happens. Yeah. That, that's, the, the, the answer to this is, right, in my opinion, in general, like, you're right. Most people aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, I see this from Tom Bryant and I'm really enamored and I think it can continue. People love... The only people who tend to have that sort of coping on players is someone who has Tom Bryant. They go, oh, but what if they play them together? It makes more sense to play them together and Davis goes to the four and then Bryant stays at center and then he can keep doing it. It's the Omer Yurtseven, right? People, the only people who have that thought are the people who have Bryant on their roster. So it is going to be hard to sell. But as always, if you get a good deal, then sell. Otherwise... Write it out. Like if you can get a top 80 player, which you almost definitely can't, but if someone wants to make you a stupid offer for that player, do it. And if you can't, you write it out. It's the almost the answer to every one of these questions. You should always be looking to improve and, and accept deals and see what comes through, but you don't have to just give him away for Contavious Caldwell Pope. Right? You don't. That's not what you do. You give it away for someone good, for someone better, if that comes up, otherwise you just roll with it. And again, that that idea that someone's going to think he can maintain value is probably only held by the people who have him currently on their roster because they're just trying to find any sort of reason for that to that sort of value to maintain. Yeah, and it's a tough one with Thomas Bryant because we don't actually know what Anthony Davis' timetable is. Exactly. Yep, he's he's on track to return. He's on track, but yeah, but when, when that is, I've got no. I don't know. I don't know, where the, don't know where the track goes. Geordie, I saw you commenting this in the chat yesterday a million times, so let's get some opinions on it. Will Jeremy Sohan be a great fantasy player in the future or will he not reach top 70, Kingy? Hmm. Uh, yeah, look, so that's more of a dynasty. I'm not a huge dynasty guy. Will he reach top 70? I, I wouldn't count on it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen enough from him to think that he'll be top 70. This is what I think about Sohan, right? I, I think we can... 
Jordi, and you're, you've got a dynasty league, so I saw you in the chat yesterday, and it's really shallow because you had guys like Daniel Gafford sitting on the waiver wire. So your dynasty league's yeah. not really a dynasty league in that sense. So you, know, you can make moves for those players now because if those guys are available, it's not a real di- it's not a real standard dynasty format. Um, I think Sohan can have a top seventy fantasy season. I think his best case outcome fantasy wise is probably someone like a Nick Batum who put up maybe one or two top 50 seasons where he was like, you know, 10, 6, or 10, 7, and 4, a steal, a block, two threes, okay percentages. I I think that's like a reasonable um, sort of expectation fantasy-wise. But as a five, six-year-in-a-row top 70 guy, I don't think he does it. You know, it is easy for these random players to step up and have one to two strong seasons of that sort of value. And I think he could do it maybe four or five years, but as a long-term guy that's going to do that consistently, I have my doubts about that. Yeah. It probably depends on your league settings, all that sort of stuff. Cause you look someone like Otto Porter maybe comes to mind as well, where he was top 30 or 40 for yeah. a couple of seasons, but it was just cause he didn't turn the ball over and he shot, he, he shot, well. shot really well and got heaps of steals. All right, yeah. and that's yeah. If you get heaps of steals, your fantasy ranking goes through. It's Joe, Joe Ingles, another one like that, who had those top fifty seasons because like he shot forty four percent from three and got five assists with one point six steals, one point seven steals, or whatever it is. And, and Sohan's not that level of shooter, but steals, blocks, threes, some rebounds. He's handling the ball a bit. There's enough there, but the overall low usage will always hold him back. I think. Yeah, yeah, and those low volume cats, as we know, they 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 always make a huge difference. Um. Kurt Lee, I know my answer, and everyone knows my answer, but he says, is Kali Olenek a drop? Nope. Thank you. Next question. Um, anyone hear any news on Middleton? No, we haven't heard anything. What's your take on this with Middleton? Uh, how worried are you with, with uh, James Christian? Um, I'm not... Well, I, he's another guy I don't have anywhere, um, but I don't know. It's weird um, because we haven't... The Bucks normally are okay with their injury reporting. They they're not. They're not normally a team that just sort of gives you all these airy fairy excuses. So the fact that he never really injured it, it was, it just sort of appeared, it just happened. And then it was not serious, but he's missed. I don't know what he's missed now. It must be coming up on three weeks. He um, last played on the 15th of December. So yeah, that yeah, is over three weeks. Over three weeks. Okay. So yeah, look, it's, it's a little concerning that we haven't had any, any update at all. They haven't even, given a, a time frame or, or told us what the injury is. So if I, if I did have him, um, I don't think you could sell him, but no, absolutely not. Uh, no one's going to, no one's going to grab him now. So I think you just have to throw him in your IR spot. And the, fr- the frustrating thing is, is that two games before he got hurt on the 13th of December, he scored 20 points in 29 minutes. Go, oh, okay, here we go. He's back. And then the next game, he had three points on 8% shooting, but still had, you had 30 usage, like five assists. It wasn't a bad game apart from the fact that nothing went in. It was all trending in the right direction. And then now we're here, and I don't really know what to um, what to make of this because, again, there's no update. It's not the injury that caused him to miss the start of the season. No. It's not It's not the second injury that when he sprained his ankle. It's none of those things. It's something completely different. And I don't even think it's the same knee injury that he had in the playoffs. I think it's something completely separate, which is, again, confusing and worrying. And one of those things you just have no... Like, we can all say, I'm never drafting an injured player again. Like, this has got nothing, to, actually nothing to do with that. So it's just one of those things that, again, will create that narrative. And I, I do agree in general with drafting injured players as a, as a general rule. But this is not that. This is not that situation. No, no. And his injury was an upper body, like lower body injuries you stay away from okay. drafting. Um, Jaron Jackson's been the exception, oddly. But yep. 
um, with some, yeah, someone like Middleton, I think you were, I was fairly comfortable drafting him. I I didn't, but I was. I did. I I did twice. I got him in two leagues. Yeah. And, and I've got a friend who's got him in the league and he sort of said, what, what do I do with him? I said, well, you can't do anything now. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to keep your fingers crossed and, Hopefully you come back. You absolutely cannot do anything at the moment, but we'll get back to more questions in a sec because today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for all professional and amateur leagues out there, the NFL, the NBA, college basketball, and college football. While it is still going, they've got it all at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Let's see if the odds have changed for the college football national title game. There was, Georgia was 13-point underdog, uh, 13-point favorite, sorry. It went into 12 and a half the other day. Let's see if there's been any movement. Have you guys been getting on the TCU bandwagon as my site refuses to update because I'm streaming live? No, we're still at 12 and a half points here for Georgia. They are still the favorite in that game. But if you think TCU can pull off the upset, you can get those odds over at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Go back to some questions. Um, Okay. People are asking these a lot of sell-high things. Again, is Brook Lopez a sell-high? Is Bam a sell-high? Realistically, if you can, sure. Like, Bam is flying at the moment. Can he maintain that level? He hasn't really ever shown to maintain that level long-term. Brook Lopez, I think that sell-high is done. So and when we go through and look at sell-highs, it's like, if you, if you can do it, by all means. Like, if you can get... When someone's peaking well above their season numbers and you can get equivalent value back in a trade for their current numbers, then yes. Uh, I don't think it's too much more complicated than that. Is it, Kingy? No, I don't think so. You you just need to, yeah. I mean, if you can sell high, you sell high. But you don't, as you said, you don't just sell high for any any player. Um, and also factor in, in as in with that PJ Washington question, have a look at where you thought. I mean, he's, he's performing now well above his season numbers, but his season numbers were well below That's where true. we thought he'd be. So, yes, it's a sell high, but is this just what he should be and what he will be moving forward? That's a possibility as well. Um, interesting question here. Well, not interesting. One that's pretty easy, I think, but it just brings us a couple of discussion points. Hini Mini says, who is the drop for a stream spot? Emmanuel Quickly or Jalen Duran? Who's the drop for a... Uh, out of those two? Oh, I'd go Quickly out yep. of those two. Um, articulate why, Kingy. Uh, well, RJ Barrett should be back, I'm assuming, soon. Are you- yeah, he's been out for a week with a cut finger. I no, think. it was really, it was really bad. It was um, his tendon was exposed. Right. Okay. So, was, I, that, so I, how I, did that? Do we know I, how that happened? I don't know how it happened. I've got no idea what happened, but it was very, very deep, and there was yeah. exposed tendons through it. So it's yeah, going right. to take a long time to um, heal. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it would be um, Duran. I mean, he's starting. Bagley's out now for, oh, hopefully the rest of the season, but probably not the rest of the season. Um quickly has been really good and I added him in a 14 team league uh, but yeah I think once Barrett's back quickly goes back to being a bench guy and we know when he's coming off the bench his minutes can go anywhere from 18 to 30 on any given night depending how he's shooting the ball exactly so. really hard to trust that whereas Duran he's got 30 minutes a night like he's going to get 30 yep. minutes a night he's going to be solid no, no problem with that um, here's a question which is again something that people will debate Kanye East if that is your real name Gafford or Tom Bryant? Now, I think it's really straightforward to look at this and say Tom Bryant is performing at a really high level. He just had 20 points on 82% shooting yesterday. That's really good. And he's probably a clearly better option than Gafford at the moment. But what are you playing for tomorrow? Are you playing for the weekend? Or are you playing for the rest of the season? Now, you might be playing for tomorrow. 
And you might be saying, I desperately need a win this week. Not that Gafford's that far behind where Bryant currently is. But the path to Daniel Gafford starting is really in Daniel Gafford's hands. It's not waiting for someone to come back from injury. He's there. He's starting. They're playing well. And no reason why that can't continue. It might not, but there's no reason. Tom Bryant, he's going to play 10 minutes a night in maybe a month. Like, it's going to be, he's going to be cooked. So... Is the difference between Bryant's current output and Gafford's output enough for you to sacrifice the value that might be there in, in March and February? I, I would rather, especially when it's not like not like Gafford's the 200th best player and Bryant's 50th now. It's like maybe one's 50th, one's 70th or something like that. It's not that big of a difference. I would definitely take the guy where the path for that long-term value is much clearer. Yeah, it's it's a short-term, long-term question. Um, if if you're looking for value for the rest of the season, go Gafford. And, and look, all the... Um, all the language and, and what we're hearing from Wes Unseld is all really shifting towards them playing Gafford. They're really happy with how they how he looks on the court with Porzingis. Um, he do, I don't think we have a designation for him for for tomorrow's game. No, he's, uh, he's playing. He's, he's he's playing. Yeah, he's off. He's off the injury report. He's ready to go. There's no okay. um. There's no. He had that weird situation where he ran off the court at the end of that game, but he is um allegedly all fine and ready. Okay. And uh, yeah, there we are, ready yep. to go. Now, I'm just trying to see what happened here. Why is my chat not responding? I don't know what's going on there. We'll get that to come up in a second. Oh, no, we're back here. Um, Seamus says, what are my thoughts on Jeremy Grant rest of season? Go ahead. Well, I know what yours will be. Uh, look, I mean, he's been really good. Yeah, he has um, been awesome. He's, an- he's another guy I, I don't have. I don't, I'm not sure what his rank is. I think rest of season... Uh, look, he, he has been more involved offensively than I thought he would be. Um, I'll give him that. Uh, I think he's so he's top what top fifty for the season. Mm-hmm. I doubt that sticks. I'd have him more probably top seventy, top eighty. Um, so again, a bit of a sell high. If you could get a top forty player for Jeremy Grant, I'd do it. Um, but if if you're getting a top eighty player, I'd just hold on to him. He. One thing we thought, right, coming from Detroit to Portland is that he would lose usage, and he has. He has. Obviously, he's also playing four extra minutes per night, which I wasn't exactly sure he would do. But he's shooting the lights out. And I know who Jeremy Grant is. He can be an okay shooter, but I refuse to believe he's the best shooter in the world. Like, he's at 45% from three this season. And that's 35 games. That's a decent sample size, but that is just still an insane, like, shooting percentage for a guy that, was 35% for two years in a row. So he's jumped up 10 percentage points to become the best shooter in the world. It just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's sustainable really in, in any sense. And then even over the last you know five games, he's at 65% on two-point range. Like last season, he was at 47% from two. Now we thought that he'd be able to get back to mid low to mid 50s, similar to his Denver and OKC days. I thought his usage would drop more. He's actually the number two guy a lot of the times over Simons, which is not something I expected. But that shooting, him a true shooting of like 66% over the last month is just an insane number. And there is going to be a crash. I just, actually, maybe there isn't. But I just refuse to sit here and go, Jeremy Grant is the best shooting, not even big man, best shooter really going around in the NBA. I don't know where he actually ranks. I know Yuta Watanabe is at like 50% from three. But... There's going to, hardly going to be any sort of starter who is hitting threes at a higher rate than Jeremy Grant. And again, just using logic, do you actually believe that's going to stick? Because I, I don't. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, he won't. I mean, this is a case of maybe he is a guy playing alongside someone like a Damian Lillard. He's getting better shots, but 
yeah, he won't be as good as he is. I think we can safely say that. But on the flip side, maybe he, he can get some more defensive stats. I don't think he's even at one steal and one block. Yeah, but he's, he's never been that guy, though. Like, that's that's the thing. He hasn't ever been a high and a, or a good rebounder. He's always been a guy that yeah, you think no. is a good defensive stat guy, but never really has. But you're right. They can probably improve. I just looked up the top three-point shooters in the league with qualifiers over on Basketball um, Reference. Number one is Damian Lee at 49%. Number two is Luke Kennard at 48%. They've got track records of being good shooters. Number three is KCP at 48%. He's the he's the highest rated starter there, and that's obviously really high, but you know, that's going to come down. And then it's Alec Burks at 45.2 and Jeremy Grant at 45.2. So he's fifth in the NBA, in three, equal fourth in the NBA at three-point shooting. And I just, yeah, I just really don't believe that that's where he's going to maintain himself rest of the season. I just, that that just feels like it's ripe, ripe for uh, regression. Um, all right. I don't know what Tizaris. I don't think you mean Cam Thomas here. I think you mean Cam Johnson. Why is his rank remained so high through his injury? Because our projected ranks are per game. Like you're looking at per game stuff, and it's got nothing to do with his injury. I'm not sure what you're looking at exactly, but why why has his rank remained so high? Because we project that he has the similar role when he comes back and he's able to do what he's able to do. I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. Um, uh, so got, well, let's do one or two most, uh, more questions. Um, phew, okay. Ben Simmons. Julio says, is Ben Simmons a drop in a standard points league? Uh, I wouldn't think so. I don't have him in a points league, um, but he—I I would say he'd be—he'd still be a hole in, in points. He's obviously not performing particularly well. Like the scoring no. is just not there. The minutes are down. It's not looking great at the moment for Simmons. I just again the question we we ask a lot of the times is like, who are you actually replacing him with? Who is better on the wave? Why is a streaming spot going to work out better? Maybe, maybe it is. I really find it hard to believe that. Like, I know he's been struggling and even his category league value is really not spectacularly good, especially with the free throws. But if you are punting free throws, he's a clear top 100 guy in a category league. In a points league, he's averaging, what, 28 fantasy points in a Yahoo league, which is 103rd this season. He has been dropping off over the last three games or so down to 22. But otherwise, he's held pretty steady around 28, 27 for most of the season. And... You might be able to find better guys off the wave. Like two games ago, he had 34 fantasy points. Like that's that's pretty good. So I, I wouldn't have thought that he's a drop in those sort of formats. Like who are you fighting that can give you 30s a night? I, I'm not sure that guy exists. But if your waiver wire is full of guys getting 27 a night, then yeah, clearly a drop because then you just stream that spot through. But that is really going to be dependent on how your league sets up. All right, let's do one more, Kingy. Then you've got to head off. Um, I've already done that one about Jalen Suggs. Um, all right, Janice, this is an interesting question. Are weekly leagues no longer viable with injury management now gone mainstream? Uh, yeah, look, I wouldn't be doing a weekly league. I'm not in any, I don't think. Um, and it is, yeah, look, it's hard. Actually, no, I'm in one in that sports, is it sports deck or whatever that we, that points other format um, super team, super. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that one is a weekly one. Um, and a good example this week is I had Zion in mm. first game. Does his hamstring, so I get nothing for the week. So I wouldn't be doing a weekly league um, personally, but I know I know they are still around. No, I um, I think our thirty deep is a is a weekly league, but yeah. in general, I've recommended against weekly leagues for years, and I think 
the injury management stuff that people talk about is so overblown. The people, people, you talk about it so much, you turn people away from the sport and the game, and it just it isn't that big of a of of, of an issue. I don't believe. I I just think that people completely overblow this. They, every play, every star rests every game. Like, okay, it, who are the guys who significant who just rest back to backs? Who who are they? There's not that many of them. No. Realistically, like the guys coming back from significant injuries as they ramp back up, no problem. Um, yeah, Luca rested a couple of back to backs this season. LeBron's missed a couple of back to backs. He's 38 years old and he's carrying a gigantic load. Like, who, who, it's not just like John Rance is not sitting back to backs. Tatum's not sitting back to backs. Jokic doesn't sit back to backs. Like, it just the narrative that everyone just sits every game. It just, it just doesn't. It's not. It's not real. Like, but you hear people say everyone sits. They're all soft. They're all pussies. They do. Like, it, but it's, it's not true. And people also seem to have this idea that teams are begging the players to play, and the players are saying, "No, we're not playing." When in reality, it's the team saying, "You're not playing tonight," and the players going, "Come on, what are you doing? I want to play." Yeah. And, and then people go, "No, well, they need to. They they need to not pay them for the games that they don't play or dock their salary." Like the team is the one driving this, not yes. not the player. And we have this idea, and the idea of like they're so entitled, they pay too much money. The teams are oh, the poor teams. It's it, the teams. The teams are doing this, not the players. The teams are sitting them out when it makes sense. When you're you know arriving in a city four a.m. after playing the night before and then playing that night, it's shit outs on your body, and that's that's part of it. And realistically, I think just think it's a little overblown. But anyway, that's my opinion. Not the, yeah, I. I look at this stuff every single day for years and years on, on end, and I just don't think it's as bad as what it's made out to be. But maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Anyway, Kingy, that will uh, take us out of here. So thank you for coming on again. Enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your holidays. Um, and tell people where they can go find you. Uh, so over on Twitter at AdamKing91, um, FBI Basketball, we're, we're about to relaunch the podcast soon. We're rebranding. Um, I'm having some more input into that. So there will be some... Um, interesting shows coming out with hopefully you and a few other analysts on it, that sort of thing. Um, and so, and yeah, th that's sort of where you'll find me. And just on uh, just something quickly, which I woke up to this morning, Demar Hamlin sounds like he is oh, yeah. woken up and he's communicating and asking who won the game. So sounding very positive there. So yeah. It's obviously going to be a long, long track back for Demar, but the fact that his, his neurological function seems to be uh, pretty solid is what they're reporting is, is obviously fantastic news. And we hope that you know, we continue to get good news with that. Kingy, thank you. Looking forward to your rebranded podcast coming out. And uh, guys, that'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all of If you're here on YouTube and you're here live, thumb it up while you're here. Come on. I love those thumbs. Chuck, stuck them right in the middle. I love them. Drop some comments below as well. Subscribe, notification about all that stuff, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.